0: listening to the traditional outdoors podcast
1: welcome to the traditional outdoors podcast what's up mr nick view I hadn't talked to you in forever man
0: i know you've been out adventuring i've been freezing in michigan that's pretty much it freezing and writing and that's that's about all although i did have a banquet that was fun but you know we we'll talk about that in a minute but uh i don't know man you want to you want to talk a little bit about your hunt
1: uh, a little bit. We've uh, by the time this episode drops, will I recorded an episode with Tom uh, about the hunt, but I haven't had a chance to talk to you much about it, so we can talk about it a little bit. Uh, had an absolute fantastic week. Um, I don't remember the exact number of hogs that were seen by the group. There were nine hunters in camp, um, and it was in excess of of a hundred hogs. I personally uh, saw fifty seven, um, best I could count. That wasn't including a few little football-sized uh, uh, pigs that I didn't count, and I know there was a couple of situations where I know it, I know there were hogs moving through the palmettos in front of me, all, but I never put my eyes on them. So it was a yeah. it was a really good week, uh, great weather. Um, I don't know if you have you had a chance to. So that was the other cool part was Tom got here a day early, so we spent uh, the Saturday before we headed down to pig camp. Uh, shooting bows and and uh doing some adventures up in north georgia but have you got a chance to watch the video that i posted of the the compilation from the trail camera
0: yeah that was really really cool i i i those time lapse things are really neat but i just knowing the story behind your behind that that camera made it even better
1: well understand that is not a time-lapse camera that was six hundred and sixty-eight individual fifteen-minute video clips that I edited together into that that video that got posted.
0: Yeah, that's pretty crazy. Um, I mean, it, it seemed like a time-lapse camera, but I know you put all that together. So yeah, I was I was surprised when you put it up there. I was like, whoa. <laughs> I, w-
1: I was surprised when I when I opened the camera and put the SD card in my in my computer and saw six hundred and sixty-eight clips, and I think. After I took out, you know, any of the false triggers and the late triggers, and there were a couple of videos that had some local dogs on it. One human, in over a year, there was one human that walked by that camera, and he walked under it and never even saw it was there. Um, But anyway, after I edited out the stuff that just didn't have enough of an image to include in the video, I still had 552 clips. I mean, it was wow. It was insane. I've never, I've never had that kind of luck with a camera. Most of them die or quit or get stolen. Say, before all on
0: that one battery, huh? That's that's crazy.
1: And the battery was still at like two. Well, not not between a half and a third. And it was a twenty nine ninety nine Wild Game Innovations camera out of a three pack. I mean, it was just crazy. I I, I again <laughs> never never would have imagined it. But uh,
0: well, you got what you paid for.
1: I that's I got sure. my money's worth. That's for sure. If it never goes back in the woods again, I got my money's worth out of that one. So uh, you mentioned the banquet real quick. I did. I did see, you know, I was trying to track some of it uh, on my phone and so forth, because we were we were still in in hog camp, but looked mm-hmm. like you had a really good, really good event for it being at a, a new location.
0: We did, you know, we didn't have as many as we usually have. Um, but you know even with if you figure even some of the people that were down there hunting with you if you add you know partners and families into the mix you know those are all tickets so you go down from 150 to you know 100 pretty quick um you know plus uh, you know the situation being what it is and and everything else i think that i think it was good you know with a change and everything but i got to tell you i love the new venue um that new venue is is nice and open and and really bright on the inside and the food was good and it looked like there were less people there than what there were because it's just a much more open area you just have a lot of elbow room and um yeah we just had a blast man there was our do- our hors d'oeuvres and stuff before and you know you couldn't bring your own drinks and you couldn't bring your your own food and that's pretty standard in most of these places now but everything was really good you know having the open bar there wasn't bad and 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 we all just had a a really good time visiting and the raffle and auction were awesome um the game awards were awesome you know there wasn't a whole lot of game awards this year but again with people out hunting and stuff like that i walked up and got mine i got yours i got tom's i just stood up there (laughs) so uh i really enjoyed it man um you were you were definitely missed tom was missed uh, we had a lot of people, even people that didn't show up, donate to the MLA as far as items were concerned. So that was really cool. And, um, you know, I didn't really, uh, I picked up some shafts that John Buchin got me from, uh, Emerald Archery. I got some, I got another dozen of those ass shafts I killed that deer with this year. So I'm going to make another dozen of those up. And I won a couple really cool stump and arrows that were that, um, MLA longtime MLA member Carl Johns made that are just I don't even know if I want to shoot them they're so cool um he even pinned the judo point to the wooden dowel I mean they're pristine they're better than anything I've made and those are stumping arrows uh so I I did win those and I won a couple other handmade things for Jess um even want a even want a crochet doll for the kids that one of our members uh daughters made so it was uh, it was a good time, man. I, I really I really enjoyed it, and I'll look forward to it next year. And I love that it's only, you know, if we do stay there, only thirty minutes from the house or forty minutes from the house.
1: Very cool. Well, I'm I'm uh, I was talking to Jamie Burkhead today. I gotta, I gotta call him tomorrow night and spend a little bit of time on the phone with him. But I was telling him that you know I really missed it, and uh, really going to try to make it up next year. But I have to be honest if it conflicts with. Uh, if, if it conflicts with hog camp uh, yeah i'm gonna be in i'm gonna be in hog camp we'll we'll see what happens
0: oh you're doing that that's a i didn't know if you guys were gonna change it or if you could keep it around the same time or if you were gonna move it or if it was a you know
1: well the the thing is we have to we have to reserve the the cabin pretty far in advance because they fill up so gotcha. we can't you know we'll pick a we'll pick a a date and reserve the 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 cabins and now there's a lot of the folks are talking about wanting to do two weeks next year. Um, so it'll really just depend. Well, you got a bunch of folks in campus, sorry, rascals that are retired. So they, they don't have to be anywhere. Right. Um, but anyway, it'll just, you know, it'll depend on when, what dates are picked. And if it just so happens that the banquet falls during those dates, then, you know, again, I'll be, I'll be chasing pigs, but,
0: uh, anyway, Steve banquet banquets are perfect for old people. So when you get older, you can attend banquets.
1: I'm already old. What do you mean?
0: Well, you're not that old though.
1: Uh, I'm just not. I'm just not as old as some.
0: So you put. I tell you what, though, I saw you on the on the fishing boat there, though, and you had a little bit of a goatee going on there, and I've never seen you anything but that Bat Masterson stash, So I was absolutely floored. <laughs> I was like, "Who the hell is that scruffy guy?"
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to decide if I like it and if I'm gonna keep it or not. I'm gonna let it. I'm gonna let it at least get the length of my of my mustache and see what I think. And worst case is I shave it off. I, like I said, I haven't really decided if I like each other or not. So
0: <laughs>
1: so anyway, um, you know what, Nick? It's uh, a little bit different tonight. We're, we've got our first guest since I really can't even tell you when. I know we, you know, with everything that went on last year and, you know, we were trying to kind of re- just record when we could, well, let me rephrase that, whenever I could, we really didn't, you know, we really didn't schedule anything in the way of guests and I'm kind of excited about getting back to it Um, but the individual that we've got tonight um, and he is our first in quite a while so hopefully this won't be too rocky and we won't screw it up too bad but uh, I've been friends with this gentleman on Facebook for a while I don't even know I don't know how long but I know it's been long enough that I followed a lot of the things that that he does um, in the outdoors, as we were talking about before we pressed re- record, he reminds me a lot of me because he's, he's he, if it's outdoors, it looks like he's into it, which I'm always excited about. But without further ado, uh, welcome to the show, Mr. Rory Whisk. And I hope I pronounced that right. I actually meant to ask you before we started recording.
2: Yeah, that's a, that's a correct pronunciation on, the, on a weekday
1: uh okay and, and as long as as long as they call you for call you for dinner they can call you what they whatever they want is that way that you works
2: just don't call me late for dinner that's right <laughs>
1: that's right <laughs>
2: how's it going guys
1: it man it's going it's going absolutely fantastic hope it's going well for you
2: yeah that it is good
0: yeah we're pumped to have you on man i uh steve first told me about you and i was like nah who's that you know and then once i you know, he mentioned who you were and I started seeing you post and stuff and I was like, Oh, so I just you know, I sent you a friend request and I was like, Man, this guy's a lot like me too. He even got a dog named Jada like I got.
2: I that um, that kinda that kinda freaked me out. <laughs> I saw that on Facebook <laughs> and I go, Wow, we're both Jada Jada Dog owners. <laughs> this is nice. Jada
0: dog owners, we're both blackfish, both the hunt. I'm like, Yeah, yep, that's right. This guy's a this guy's a kindred spirit and so yeah, I was like, Yeah, Steve, we gotta have we gotta have Rory on, man yeah i totally agree so we're, we're just thrilled to have you
1: so rory i'm just telling you i did not know that and if i were you i'd be a little suspicious that sounds a little like uh, kind of single white female stuff if you know what i'm talking about if you've seen that movie well, yeah. <laughs> it's uh honestly though it's it's too late she won't
2: answer to anything else i can't change her name
1: <laughs> uh too funny too funny so Roy, I'll be honest, uh, you know, up until recently, I would say that, that, the part that I've, I've really enjoyed watching, you know, of your, your Facebook posts and so forth is the, the traditional bow hunting. So, you know, when did, when, have you always been a traditional bow hunter or did you kind of tra- transfer from modern equipment to trad or what's the story there?
2: Man. So that's an odd story. I'm a late bloomer. Um, I never believed, like I, I was never a hunter. There was, um. As a kid, my uncles would take me out, and me and my cousin would go out. uh, They were bird hunters. We'd go out and chase quail around and stuff. Um, But growing up after that, all I ever did was fish. Uh, And I I wanted nothing to do with with hunting because I got into fly fishing way back when, uh, 2004. And there was no such thing as shoot and release when it came to hunting. So I was a catch and release fisher for a long time. And I just hugged way too many trees, apparently. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I had uh, my late father-in-law introduced me to deer hunting in 2011, I believe it was. Um, and I, it was a, a rifle hunt and shot my first doe. And I loved the deer meat anyway from him. And then to have my own, you know, bring it home and had to go through the motions there. It's like, okay, well, how do I get more of this? And started looking into regs and everything. And pretty soon I was like, okay, we've got an archery season in Kansas that lasts forever. I need a bow. And I started out with a, <laughs> a loner old 70s bear compound it was the uh, it was the first bow I had. I shot that thing for the first season, um, shot over a, a really nice little basket rack eight pointer in the woods with a friend of mine that I met while out hunting that day. Um, and he'll tell you one side of the story. I'll tell you the other side. Long and short of it is uh, he said, that, he said the deer was 25 yards. And when I stepped it off after the arrow flew over the deer, it was like 15. So um, I figured that it's Way too much complication with the compound. I, I wasn't overly comfortable with it. Uh, way too much going on. So that following January, I picked up a recurve, and I've never looked back. It's been, yeah, it's, it's been downhill since then. Um, and that would have been 2012. Um, so I've been, I've been dragging a stick bow through the woods for a good while now.
1: Well, to be honest, Rory, if you were if you started out with a nineteen seventies bear compound, you weren't really that far from trad to begin with. <laughs> your recurve, i pretty re- sure <laughs> your recurve may be as fast. I was going to say I'm pretty sure that thing
2: was a smoking one eighty five feet per second. <laughs> <laughs> that thing had to, it had to have at least one hundred eighty five feet per second. I don't know what the what a recurve shoots anymore, or longbow, but uh, <laughs> that thing was pretty slow. <laughs>
1: So there's going to be a lot of lot of folks that's just going to be downright envious that you're you're in a state like Kansas for 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 hunting whitetails. And I'm going to be honest, uh, this is one of those questions that I, I honestly don't know the answer. So, uh, but how have you have you had success yet with a with a trad bow on whitetails?
2: Oh yes, 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 indeed. Um, I've had a couple of years. Uh, last year being well, well this previous uh, season here being one, I've had uh, two prior to that that I went more or less fruitless, didn't uh, didn't kill anything as far as deer go, but um, I've taken a number, uh, usually, it's usually about two a year, I usually get, I, I usually stop at two a year or, or, or luck out and get to a year, um, but 17, 2017 season and uh, 2020 season. Well, 2017 I got one beard. In 2020 I got two. Uh, shot my biggest buck in 2020, so that was a, a big deal for me. Um, not that I care, he hasn't been scored. He's a skull mounted on my wall with the arrow that I killed him with and a squirrel hide. <laughs>
0: But and, yeah. and a squirrel hide.
2: <laughs> well, so it's the did first happened the
0: same time. <laughs> well,
2: no, no, that would have been cooler. <laughs> that would have been a Rocky and Bullwinkle <laughs> kind of story. But
0: <laughs> and the deer chasing the squirrel, or vice versa, <laughs> and you just decided to take both of them out.
2: Right, that would have been that would have been epic. That would have been a, a, a Steve Angel uh, great. Um, what was it? The Great Squirrel Hunt of twenty or Great Squirrel Rut of twenty twenty one.
0: <laughs> okay all right you, you you pay
1: way too much attention now Rory <laughs> jeez do
0: I even know this one uh,
1: i've 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 <laughs> i don't know if you do or not Nick we're gonna leave that one alone we're gonna move right along so um <laughs> do you so real quick because you you said that do you keep um do you retire your arrows after you after you take an animal with it, or was this just that one that you kept with that buck? And
2: I tell you, I really hate to retire an arrow after I kill an animal with them. Um, I had one eastern axis that I took. I think it was three three deer and two turkeys with. Um, That's been I guess those deer were, that'd been 2013, and uh, the problem I have is the uh, the only bucks I've ever killed. I only killed with, uh, I only killed them with wood arrows. So I end up with broken arrows all the time. <laughs> but uh, if I don't get a, a quick zip pass through and stick it in the dirt, it's usually hung up, breaks on a break the broadhead off somewhere in the, on the trail or or uh, snap it off in the leg or something. So they get uh, they they put in their own resignation.
1: So I will admit. For a long time, I kept every arrow, um, and and I'll be perfectly honest. I would probably still, and probably will still, keep some in the future, but I kind of ran out of, I actually got a, a really nice arrow display that I got at the MLA Banquet, oddly enough, a few years ago, and it's full. Um, in fact, I've had to pull a few arrows out that weren't necessarily hunting-related that I'd kept for other sentimental reasons, and I've had to pull those out because I'm I'm out of room. So, um, but then this year I was in kind of the same boat. Uh, I I came down in poundage pretty significantly from what I normal normally shoot, and uh, I stuck with the Simmons Tree Sharks, which you know two and a quarter inches wide. And every doggone whitetail I shot this year, I at least you know hit one shoulder. Most time quartered away, and I hit the off shoulder. And it just didn't pass all the way through, and everyone them broke my arrow. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't manage the only arrow that I managed to salvage this year from an actually no, that would have been that would have been this year The the hog hunt last week four last I I managed to salvage both arrows from that hunt, um, but I also dropped down to a, a cutthroat so three to one ratio head not shooting that really wide head again, but but I like I like keeping my arrows. I I definitely. You know, ear tab some um, that uh, I'll I'll never shoot them again. They're they're just they're just there for display. So, all right, without I, me r- keeping rambling on. Um, yeah, I
2: have to I have to interject though for just a second. I am surprised to hear sure. that I am surprised to hear that you step down to a to a three to one ratio head. I've, I've known you for the for the uh, the battle axes that you throw at handles and uh, <laughs> anything less. So than civilized. the tree sharks, yeah so <laughs> yeah <laughs> i just kind of feel like anything, so that, is, anything else is uncivilized
1: i'm i'm working on it so i've got <laughs> in fact that's one of the things that I've, i mentioned jamie burkhead he's actually building me a second bow right now um and it's gonna be 65 that's what i've asked roughly 65 at 28 um and i i'm i'm slowly building back up i haven't decided yet i think that's probably the bow i'm gonna hunt uh black bear with in june and it'll be I'll be back to my Simmons tree sharks, but i I dropped down to the cutthroats because on hogs and you know as it turned out i didn't i didn't get a shot at a very you know very large hog but if i had i' i i just knew that I didn't have enough oomph to get that two and a quarter inch wide head through a shield of a big hog so um I found a guy that was selling some hundred and sixty grain cutthroats got a real good price on them. Um, and just built another set of arrows strictly for those cut throats. And, you know, they worked really well, but yeah, I've really liked those tree sharks. I just, i am kind of like Jason Sam Koviak. I love a wide head to, you know, I don't, I don't see a, a, a real downside to it, but with having to drop down in weight last year, just cause I didn't get out to shoot hardly any the whole year. Um, it just, uh, you know, it, it, that's a lot to push through an animal, especially if you hit any bone whatsoever. Yeah. So where I was, where I was getting ready to go with that, um, and it may it may be your your buck, but I'd like to hear your to date. I'd like to hear your your favorite whitetail success story. If it was the big buck, great, but sometimes it's not right. Sometimes it's something unique that happens. So I'd like to hear what yours is.
2: Yeah, mine mine's not going to be the big buck. <laughs> mine's going to be a uh, November. Uh... It November 15th and 16th of 2014, uh, Buddy and the I, yeah, guy I met in the woods when I was carrying the compound around. We became best friends, so we hunt together and everything else, but, um, well, not everything, but anyhow, we were out at camp that weekend. Um, happens to be my birthday weekend. It's the 15th, and my sister's the 14th. Anyhow, it, it snowed. The night of the 15th, we were in the tent and woke up to, I'm conservatively going to say seven, eight inches of snow on the ground and on the tent. And we woke up and Aaron goes, hey man, we got to get moving. It's, there's going to be somebody over there in our spot. I said, dude, there's nobody driving all the way out here in this mess. And I slapped the top of the tent you can just hear the sheet of snow slide out. I said, first things first. <laughs> we need to make coffee. That's what we're going to do. And so I got the <laughs> single burner, got the single burner together and, and got some water boiled up and threw it in our grounds. We kind of did the cowboy, uh, kind of cowboy coffee deal. You just throw the grounds in and splash a little cold water in after the fact, after it's boiled a while and settle the grounds. Uh, but anyhow, so made the coffee, poured a big thermos full and I said, all right, now we can go hunt. And so we, Got in the pickup and drove around, across the river there, and went over to the access point and got there. And there's this little pickup there. And Aaron goes, "I told you somebody's gonna be here." I said, "Look at the side, <laughs> the side of that S10. It was just like a Chevy S10, little thing." I said, "Look at the side of the thing. It's duck hunting stickers all over the side." I said, this guy's on the river. He's hunting ducks. He ain't worried about deer. We don't worry about that. I said, Look, there's no snow. There's no tracks in the snow going our way. We're good. So we take off through the woods. And in that particular area, there were, uh, we had two stands. We were hunting kind of static stands back then. I run mobile now, but um, we had two stands that were kind of in line with each other. You get to the first one that was about uh, six or 700 yards back in the timber there. We called it the draw, and that was Aaron's stand. Mine was southpaw. It was another 100 yards south of that one. So Aaron goes up his tree, and I go down the trail. Get down to the tree, climb up, hang my pack, grab my thermos out, pour me a cup of coffee, sit down, drink my coffee, put the coffee cup back on the thermos, put the thermos back in the bag, turn around, and here comes a doe running through. She just, right under the tree, stops out there at about 15 yards, and I've got her. I'm thinking, you know what, I'm going to drop a string on this deer. She's standing there looking back over her shoulder. I look back, and here comes this little... Basket eight pointer comes just kind of slow trotting up there. And he comes and he stops three yards from my tree stand. And knowing now what I know now, probably wasn't the best shot, but uh at the time I was shooting a Zwicky Delta and on a Doug Fir shaft and I got I shot him and arrow stuck in the ground, he takes off on his down through the snow and he's gone. I've been in the tree stand about 15 minutes at this point. And I'm sitting there. Snow's still falling. I reach up, grab my thermos, pour another cup of coffee. I look back at my tracks in the snow from me walking up to the tree. And I'm like, okay, we're about 30 minutes in now. Yeah, I got about 30 minutes I can follow his tracks. And so I drink my coffee, finally climb down and go tracking him and start. This was the best part of this whole story for me was the snow had continued to fall, and I could follow his tracks, but if I brushed the snow away between his tracks, beautiful little ruby red crystals would roll out from the snow, from the blood trail. And anyhow, I tracked him down through the woods, and it was about, a, about 150, maybe 150 yards through the woods there, and I come up on this log, couldn't figure out where he was. The uh, end of the log had a lantler sticking off of it, and so it had snow on it from me sitting in the tree stand, letting him get snowed on. He'd been down for a while. Nice. <laughs> so I, that's awesome. I handled handled my business there, you know. Dropped my jacket and rolled up my sleeves and did what you do when you you know field dressing, and getting them all cleaned up. And it was kind of nice because I was working up a nice little heat, you know, and I got to wash my arms off with snow. I thought that was cool because I, so in Kansas, yes, it snows, but very rarely do I get an opportunity to hunt deer in the snow. And even more rare, do I actually get a a kill in the snow? So this whole situation was just, just amazing to me. And if I could hunt the snow every year, for the majority of the
0: season, I would. Uh, but yeah, I actually want to back you up there. I I agree. There's something about, and I know I get it a lot more up here in Michigan than you guys do. Oh yeah, a uh, lot more. But I mean, we're you know you're looking six to a foot, you know, late season deer hunting. But I, there's something about it. I I love it. I love hunting in the snow. It's it's incredible. And I don't. It is. It's a really different thing. Uh, vibe. I mean, it just, it makes you feel like, oh, I'm a bow hunter. Yeah.
2: You know?
0: I mean, cause you're out there and it's cold and you're, and you're trekking around and you're sitting for a long time out in the cold and, you know, you see all the tracks for where the deer are going and, you know, it, it kind of reveals a lot of things you can't see when it's warm out or even in the fall. And it's, it's, there's just something to it. And then when you come back and like you said, with the coffee and everything, you're just like, I'm excited to have a cup of coffee Um, I don't know. I just, I just really dig it. And I'm totally stealing that line about the red crystals. (laughs) (laughs) It
2: was great, man. It was so cool just to, and like I say, it was the first time I'd experienced that. And I just, to see that, just those, those red crystals, just ruby red, just roll over in the snow, man. It's just too cool.
0: Yeah. My very first deer I ever shot was in the snow and same feeling. Like I saw that, that, and just the spray. And I had never shot an animal with anything before. So it was like, oh, all right. I did what I thought I did, you know, right. <laughs> like confirmation. And like, man, my heart was up in my chest. Yeah, it was, it was awesome. Yeah. Well,
1: well, here in Georgia, you get to hunt in the, in the, in the snow a lot. The problem is it's always liquid. <laughs> <laughs> well, when I'm there, yeah. <laughs> yeah, especially, especially if Nick's there. I only come with the monsoons.
2: Oh, geez.
1: <laughs> but that's, that, that is, that's very, that's very, very cool. Rory. I, I have, I have gotten to hunt. I've never gotten to hunt with traditional gear in the snow. I don't think I'd have to think about it a little bit. I don't, I don't think, well, yes I did, but it was in Michigan several years ago in the UP and it wasn't, it was really just kind of like snow showers. It really didn't accumulate much. Um <clears throat> And I, I went growing up in North Carolina, I got to, I got to hunt in the snow a bit there, but at that time, you know, it was, uh, I was pretty much hunting with, you know, a firearm once, once gun season came in. So, um, but yeah, that's, that's I, I was hoping you were going to have a, a a story other than your biggest buck. Cause that's what everybody typically always wants to go to. And I always like it when it's a story that doesn't include the biggest animal you've ever taken. Cause
2: right. it, yeah, I, uh, I wrote an article about that buck and that, you know, it, I submitted it to, uh, to TBM and they put it on the website. Um, but it didn't make it, didn't make it to print, which is fine by me. Um, I just, I have a thing for writing and, Wrote about it and I thought, you know what, I, I shared it with a friend of mine. He says, you know, TBM accepts, you know, uh, submissions. And I said, oh, wasn't, you know, wasn't real confident in it. And I sent it anyway, and they actually took it up. So I thought that was cool. But
0: yeah, and yeah, and the thing is, is just as many people, if not more, will see that online one too, dude. So right. It's right. It's, you, you should be proud. You should be proud of that, regardless. Sorry to cut you off there. But, no, absolutely you know, not. I, I have to, I'll have to look. I have to look for that. I've got to get your
2: book. Um, <laughs> I'm, yeah, you do. There's my there's my admission of, of guilt. I have not got your book yet. I've not gotten your book, and I've, I'm horrible about it. I, I think about it all the time. Um,
0: well, I, I haven't read your article yet either. So we're even. we'll see. We're even. <laughs> yeah. Okay. This is, see, this is working out perfect. <laughs>
1: You'll you'll enjoy Nick's book. Everything that doesn't include something to do with me is really good. So.
2: I'm sure I'm sure whatever is in there that includes you will at least be comical. Uh,
1: well, thank you, Rory. I appreciate <laughs> that. I, I'm the comical that's, part.
0: I'm, that's, I'm the ever I'm the ever present comedy. That's that's the best compliment <laughs> I've got all day. <laughs> <laughs>
1: so I will say, and I, I have not read the article either, so i i i did not uh, i did not know about that. I'm gonna have to go find it. Um, oh, you'll be digging.
2: It's in there, way back in there. Now,
1: <laughs> I, that's all right. I can I can find it. I'm I'm pretty good at finding stuff online once I know it's there. Um, and I know we could probably sit here and talk about, and we'll probably end up finding our way back to bow hunting before it's over with. But, uh, I didn't know about the writing. But I will tell you this: I have been most impressed over the last month or so, month, two months, with the the videos that you've been doing on on Facebook with the with the fly tying. And I'm 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 almost guaranteed Nick's got some questions to ask you there, but. Um, kind of the same thing goes here as far as the the deer hunt how long have you been doing the fly fishing and when did you get into the fly tying and then i'm gonna let nick run away with some questions because again i know he's got some from the from the tying videos
2: sure um i got into fly fishing in 2004 and i got into fly tying almost immediately thereafter because flies were expensive And then I found out that fly tying is expensive.
0: <laughs> I was gonna say, I hope you didn't get into that to save money. <laughs> yeah.
1: I think you spend I think you spend more tying than you save.
0: Yeah. No, it's
2: it's kind of the same deal. Um, you know, you build a set of arrows and you go out and you take something with it and with one of them or whatever, or you go out and you shoot a three D course and you, you do well, whatever for anyone. Uh, there's a sense of, there's a sense of pride in what you've made and what, you know, you can take out and be successful with. Um, it would always come up. We, uh, there's a fly fishing club in Wichita and we would make trips to Missouri and Colorado and it would always come up, you know, why aren't you, you know, why wouldn't you just buy some flies at the shop? Well, I might buy one or two so that I've got something to copy, you know, but, um, uh, It's more. I like to tie my own flies, and it was always a thing of kind of if 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 you have to call it pride, it's kind of a thing of pride. You open your box, and you know somebody says, "Well, where'd you get that? Where'd you get that?" And it's like, "Well, I don't have a store bought fly in here. I sat, you know, sat many hours (laughs) and spent many dollars on materials, and you know, made them myself." Um, But. Yeah, so I got started in fly fishing and tying both in you know two thousand four, and it was a uh, oh, it was an overwhelming passion for about eight years. It's about all I did. Um, it's just fly fish, and uh, we got into a drought situation in around two thousand twelve, and that's when I pick up the bow hunting, and then you know, I went full bore into that. So. Uh, yeah, I just, I uh, I don't know, man. There's something about a fly rod. I mean, I, I can pick up my spinning rod, and I tie hair jigs, too. I can pick up a spinning rod and go out and jig crappies all day if I wanted to. But uh, when they're not, when it's not wintertime and they're not schooled up, I don't care to carry a spinning rod. I can you know, take a flying rod and find them, and, uh, of course, everything else. In my Fou de Gras, the warm water fishing here, obviously. Um, so, uh, basically, <laughs> everything that swims and eats eats a fly. You throw it in the right spots. So, uh, yeah, I've been a been a fly fisher for quite a while.
0: So yeah, I noticed that man. Your your site, um, everything on the fly there. You were mentioned that you haven't really put much on there no. uh, in the last couple of years. Yeah, I it's understand. a good site. There's a lot of stuff on here. There's a lot of photos, and you got you know all kinds of all kinds of links and a blog, and and I mean all kinds of fly patterns. And I dig that you got an insect photo gallery on there. That's really cool. Like, yeah, why why'd you stop? I guess I, or I was just, it just like everything else that stopped. Well, it
2: <laughs> <laughs> and it's I don't know that I it, I don't know that it was an intentional stop. Um, the big thing was, I guess, I got into bow hunting, and so the, our drought situation wasn't full-on drought, but it was pretty rough, and the, the one lake that I fell in love with, I used to haul my boat up to uh, Wilson Reservoir for smallmouth, to go up and catch smallmouth bass. Um, I fell in love with that place, and the one spot that I, I loved to launch the boat, because it was quick access to the cove that I liked, it, the areas I liked to hunt our fish, um, when we got in the drought, that that all dried up. You couldn't launch there anymore, and so I quit hauling the boat up. And so then, I like I said, I took up bow hunting. And well, you know what it is when you pick up a traditional bow, you just get eaten up with it, you know. And
0: so I, that's what I was doing, and, and it was just full bore. And so, so this is this is. Oh, I'm sorry, Roy. I was just gonna, I was gonna just cut in there for a second. This oh, is ahead. Hilarious because the exact same thing happened to me, but in fly fishing. because i started i was really into the bow bow hunting bug and i had like longbowblogger.com yeah and then steve helped me get life in longbows kind of up and running and then or helped me make it better anyway and then you know i was i've been writing in that since i mean what 2011 and like i was going at a pretty good clip i got heavily involved with the mla and started doing some, uh, I was a president for a while and a councilman. So, you know, that took a lot of my time and kind of burned me out a little bit just because it will. when that's your, yeah. that's what you do. You know, that, that's just what happens. It's almost like, you know, making your passion, your work, um, yeah. it was worth it, but you know, that'll happen to you, especially when I had young kids. Um, but then when I found fly fishing, it was something I really didn't have any interest in doing. And then some of the other guys kind of talked me into it and, I, I the fire got relit like I still love bow hunting absolutely like I love bow hunting I had a blast this year I'll never not love bow traditional bow hunting and longbows but fly fishing is this new passion I've got so here I am like what I want to write about is fly fishing now so all my <laughs> new adventures are fly fishing I, I've told stories like I'll have I still have good bow hunting stories but I've told the story so it's kind of like I got this new book coming out it's going to be a combination. But the fly fishing stuff really is what revs my engine now. So I have this Life and Longbows blog I've had forever. And I'm like, I never write in it anymore. I write in it occasionally. But, like, I'm not fired up to write bow hunting content anymore on that blog. I want to write fly tying and fly fishing and, and stuff mm-hmm. like that on there, but it's life and long bows. Like and I was like, I could go life and long rods. I'm like, that ain't gonna work. <laughs> 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 so I, I was like, you know, I'm in this like situation kind of like you where like you got this like, you know, nice sight, but then you're like passion changes. And then you're like, what do I do with this site? This is so many years of my life. What do I do with this? I can't just shut it down. Right. (laughs) You know, so that's kind of where I'm at with it. I'm like, I got to figure out what to do with it, you know. But anyway, I thought that was ironic that we both crossed passions at different times but had the same problem. Another spooky, another spooky thing.
2: (laughs) And it it gets deeper because the parallels are just so just ridiculous. Um, The club here in Wichita, Flatland Fly Fishers, I was a member of, um, and I sat the board for about six years. and was president for I think two, uh, vice president, uh, ed- con- contributing editor, just all kinds of. It's 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 exactly mm-hmm. what you said about you know with the MLA you 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 do it and you do it and you do it and you kind of burns you out. And yeah, you're like I, I,
0: if you're like me, two hundred percent into it, just doing everything, and you can't help yourself. Right, like that's right, what I was. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, that's, that's so, yeah, so,
2: it's kind of creepy.
0: <laughs> so did you guide or anything?
2: So I, uh, I turned on guiding one summer. I, I decided I was, I was going to be a guide because um, I thought that was the thing to do. And it ate me up. I took out a couple of trips, and that was it. Um, it was great. Don't get me wrong. Enjoyed the heck out of it. Made a, a really wonderful friend um, out of the deal. Um but I just I, I just wasn't in it. And I don't know I don't know what the deal was. Like I don't know if it was just the fact that okay, I've gotta sit back here and watch this guy catch all the fish or or what, but um I just I just wasn't in it. Um and so I I turned that I turned that off. I you know, I had had gone all the way with it too. I mean there was a whole page, I've got a, a page on the on the website that I've got turned off that I could go in and any time and just flip it back on, you know, but, uh, yeah, you do the whole, the whole deal, the whole shebang. You go through designing business cards and all the woo and pretty soon you've got this little side thing going on. And yeah. I, uh, like I said, I just, my heart just wasn't in it. Uh, just wasn't. One, yeah. One, I guess I, one
0: I, more step. Well, I guess for me, it's, yeah, one more step
2: toward making what you love a, a, a job, I guess. Yeah, you know?
0: exactly, a profession, yeah. Yeah,
2: yeah. I mean, it, I, I, I had such a love for, for bending the rod and making the cast and, and, and learning the, the cadence, what the fish wanted that day, you know, for a pattern or for um, a stripping pattern or a retrieve pattern or whatever. And that wasn't, I didn't have that connection when I was guiding because I wasn't doing it. Uh, having said that, I always wanted to be in Colorado and guide, uh, <laughs> that never happened, but I've got, you know, friends out there that are, and you know, are guides have done that for years now and, uh, they love it. I mean, they live a great life out there. They, in their downtime, they're up and down the, the riverbanks and they're just, they're after big trout. And I mean, that would be awesome, but I just don't know that my heart would be in it if if I wasn't doing it for, for the love of what I want, for what, for what I feel, you know, if that even makes sense. Careful, yeah,
1: <laughs> careful, careful about turning your passions into a job sometimes. Yeah.
2: I've seen that with, you know, I've seen that with a lot of guys and 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 women as well. I mean, I see it all over the place. You know, you, somebody's got a, a, a passion for something and all of a sudden they make it a, uh, they make it a profession. I mean, it's one thing to make it a, 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 say, a, kind of a passive line of income, but to make it what you do, it just, for, I don't know, for a lot of people, it just eats them up and I don't have a desire to do that.
0: Yeah, I, I feel like today to break in and do any of that stuff too, you gotta be out there so much with the content and the and just constantly oh, self promoting yeah. and trying to pick up advertising and, yeah, and everything I couldn't even else. I'm just, just, I, I, same here. Like I if that if that's what the outdoors became for me, I just hate every second of it and I just do something else. I mean yeah I mean, the, honestly the
2: energy it, it, the energy mm-hmm. expelled on it right at this you know in this day and age the energy you have to expel to keep yourself exposed and keep yourself out there. I think it's just, if you're, especially in, okay. In our, let's, let's face it. We live in cottage industries. Like we love fly fishing and traditional bow hunting, right? Right. These are, these are cottage industries. These aren't, you know, these aren't NBA. These aren't NFL. These aren't, uh, this, it's not modeling, you know, we're not on the world stage, so to speak, but we're, you know, and what we do is just – it's its such a – unfortunately, they're, they're just such small niches that you're mm-hmm. – the market is – if you've got 10 in it, in that market as it is, you've got enough, right? Um,
0: but – Yeah, exactly. And, you know, I give Steve all the credit in the world because I don't know how many times we've, we've gone back and forth even with this. You know, we've had several conversations about, you know, what are the goals for this? Right. And – You know we're still. I believe we're still doing this because him and I love to do it. We just enjoy it. There's plenty of podcasts out there for fly fishing. There's more. I feel like the traditional bow hunting podcasts are growing up like weeds all around. There are a million. I mean, when we first started this, there was like two, three. You know, now there's a bunch of content.
1: Yeah, but I've I've got an edge. I just. I no. no. (laughs) I know. I've. I've just got a face for podcasting.
2: So you know, no. <laughs> I, <laughs> I I hesitate to agree with you on that
0: <laughs> for, for sake of
2: this call being terminated.
0: <laughs> uh, no. Cut him off. Uh, no, but, you know, I, I told Steve, I'm like, at one point I was like, I argued with him. I was like, you know, we need to, you know, when things were when we first started and we had to pay for stuff, you know, we should have a, a Patreon. We should do this. We should do this. This is what everybody else is doing. Steve didn't want to do any of that. And, and I was like, all right, well, okay. You know, you don't want to, and, and, you know, we've, we've, we haven't seeked, you know, partnering or anything like that. Like we just do this cause we like to talk about the outdoors and meet people like you. Right. Um, and that's kept us going. Uh, otherwise we, we just shut this thing down a long time ago, I think. <laughs> <laughs> well,
1: that, that, and in all fairness, and, and I know that's not where you were heading with this, Nick, but I mean, it, 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 kind of fell right in my lap there, but I mean, you know, David and Tracy over at St. Joe's have just been phenomenal. And, you know, mm-hmm. we've had, we've had some other people that have, that have, that have reached out and stepped in and sponsored some episodes and so forth, but David and Tracy have just, they've been there since the start and you know, it's uh, let's just say uh, with the with the excess money I have left over at the end of the year, I might be able to pay my water bill one month, um, and that's a lie because <laughs> I'm actually in the hole. But I mean, it, they they you know they they have definitely helped in ways that I can't even begin to 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 say thank you enough for. I mean, they're just they're great people. So. You just heard it. Go check out St. Joe River bows if you don't know who they are. If you do know who they are, keep them in mind for your next bow. But Dave and Tracy have really—they've been—they've just been phenomenal. But I get what you're saying, Nick. We—the thing is, we're not—and I'm—I'm sure not doing this for the for the money. If that was the case, yeah, we'd i just—I'd have have pulled the plug a long time ago. There's not a lot of money in podcasting, folks. Um, But the flip side of that is, you know, especially. And I'm not, I'm not, I'm not putting down any other show. There's some good, there's definitely some other great podcasts out there, but that's one thing that, that I think Nick and I both have, have prided ourselves on a little bit is we get to have great conversations with folks like you, Rory, who, you know, um, you know, next, next, next year, you may be, you may be, you know, doing your own YouTube channel or whatever um And a lot, a lot more people would know you, but I mean, we haven't, we have purposely not tried to track down just the, the big names. In fact, there's a lot of big names, even in the traditional community that we just, we haven't had on the show because they're, you know, they're, they're on every show and that's not what we wanted to do. We wanted to have great conversations with people that were like us, people like you. So, you know, once again, I appreciate you, not just re- not just agreeing to be on the show, but actually being excited about it. I mean, we we really appreciate it. Well, you can have to key
2: that part about me being excited about it. <laughs> I, I I I admit I was a little starstruck when you called.
0: Yeah! <laughs> uh, wow! Then you're starstruck then, easy then. Yeah, very very easy,
1: <laughs> very easy. Cheap date, do you, oh. cheap date do, over do, here. Do you? Do you <laughs> do you get excited when a bill collector calls you too? Cause that's about the level I feel <laughs> like we're at. I mean, <laughs> no, not the, it's not the same. It's not the same. <laughs> well, good, good to know. At least you didn't hang up on me. So,
0: <laughs> You know, but uh, back, back to your fly fishing there, Rory, uh, I noticed that you, uh, um, what, what is your, I mean, obviously you have a ton of stuff on the site, you know, for tie in and everything like that, but, but what kind of fishing do you like to do the most? Like, uh, uh, Steve and I just did a part one and a part two fly fishing, um, just, you know, beginning fly fishing, how to basically, um, right. for people who might not have done it before. And, you know, we, it got me thinking a lot about that. And cause Steve and I fish very differently and are into things a little bit differently. Um, what, what really, what really revs your engine on the fly water? What do you, what do you like to, you said big trout, what, what kind of flies you like to fish style?
2: Man, I, I'll tell you, um, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a ham for wild rivers, wild trout, uh, but living in Kansas where I'm at, I'm, I'm centrally located, I'm in Wichita, you know, we're south central Kansas, we have no wild trout rivers. we have no wild trout, um, but outside of that, when I, when I can't be out in the mountains chasing wild trout. Uh, which is very rare that I get to go. Uh, I am, I'm a meat thrower, man. I, I want to throw a big bait fish pattern and, and try to hook just some nasty largemouth hook into some small mouth bass, largemouth mouth bass, uh, white bass wipers, uh, the hybrid white, white bass striper hybrid, uh, and the occasional stripers up at Wilson. Um, uh, but I, man, I I like catching just a a, a mean fish. But at the same time, uh, <laughs> it's not a rarity to catch me with a four weight rod chasing bluegills or or crappies. Or I just I just like to bend to the rod, man. I like to hook into something. I like to have a good time. Uh, I'm my I guess my bread and butter is warm water because that's where I'm at. Uh, you know that's that's. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm surrounded by, uh, and I love it. I mean, I can't I can't get enough of it because it's so accessible. But you know, card could be flipped on the other side. If I lived in the mountains, it'd be the you know it'd be the opposite, and I'd be like, oh, every now and then I like warm water. But, uh, I don't. I'm just I just like yeah, to man. I just like to hook up, man. I like I'm I'm a I'm a fly rod guy. I love it. I just there's something about making delivery, you know, making a good cast. to, of either a rising fish in a, in a river or uh, slapping the fly down just right next to a log or whatever uh, and then even out in the boat you know you got your electronics and you know there's bait fish around or you mark the school of something swimming and you just figure out how to get your fly to them and I, uh, I like sinking lines uh, to get down deep if I need to I just, I I like it all, man. It's just, it's, there's just so much of it that it's hard to say, this is what I love about
0: it. You know what I mean? Uh, Mm -hmm, totally. And I I get what you're saying too, about, you know, you're kind of formed by the water you live by. I mean, I'm, I'm, I live in a lot of small trout, you know, in the middle of a lot of small trout water. Um, and there's some big steelhead fishing and there's a lot of other of that going on here too. So I, I can't really, I've often said before, you know, I'd be content you know, catching 12, you know, 10 to to 13 inch trout for, you know, the rest of my life. And I would be, but I haven't, I haven't done what you're doing. I haven't, I haven't tossed meat out there and had a massive take with a, with a big game fish yet. And, you know, I'm sure that once I did it, you know, I, you know, I'll probably be spoiled on it because I noticed that when people, especially on the tie-in too, when people start tying those, tying those big streamers is just i mean there's it just looks like a blast i mean it is part of me is like man that's a lot of material that just went into that fly (laughs) you know (laughs) on the the other hand you know it's a lot more fun than tying some 22 inch or eight i can't even tie a 22 inch but you know some kind of 14 inch little nymph you know where i'm just like squinting to try to you know make everything work
1: 14 inch or size 14
0: I had fourteen inch. i size fourteen. Fourteen inch. Yeah. I was, no, uh, we're talking about
1: a a twenty a twenty two inch fly. I'm like, holy crap! We're, we're, we're catching swordfish
0: here. Like, nice. Fourteen inch. I'm going to hear about that one. That's a, a no. Buddy mine,
2: a buddy of mine, a buddy of mine in the fly fishing world. Um, <laughs> one of the one of the jokes we used to throw back and forth was to see how much how much crap you could tie on a hook. And that was that's kind of where that all kind of came from for me was just sometimes you just end up putting way too much stuff on a fly and I've um, there's some guys out there that are tying phenomenal phenomenal fly tires that are tying some flies that you hollow flies the bucktail hollow flies a uh, Gunner Bramer is one of the guys and I I, I don't mind name dropping because it's what I do sometimes but. Um, Gunnar Bramer is a, a guy on, <laughs> on YouTube. I drop your, you guys' names all the time too. So don't feel don't feel left out. Um, <laughs> uh, he ties some of the some of the coolest patterns. They're like hollow tied bucktail. Um, like uh, who was it? Bob Popovich back in the day was a, he's a big fly tire fly fisher, one of the big names in fly fishing. But um, those flies that have nothing on them. They're they're wispy. There's nothing there, but when they're in the water, man, they're everything. You know, they've got the volume and sometimes I just I, I try to see how how minimalist I can I can be, how much of a minimalist I can be to put, you know, materials on a hook. And I fail because I'm like I want some of this in there, I want some of that in there, I want this kind of flash. <laughs> I want that kind of body, with, I need this a, kind of
0: tail. <laughs> end up with a small bird.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I've got I've got flies in my box. When so it's funny you said that because back when we started chasing northern pike over in one of the lakes here in, in the state, uh, it's the only state, uh, only lake we have northern pike uh, in there. Originally stocked, I think it was seventies or eighties, but they're a self uh,
0: they self sustained
2: population as of as of since then. Uh, but <laughs> I'm tying these, I'm tying these horrible, horribly huge flies, and my daughter at the time, of course, she's 22 now, but then she was you know 12 or something, and she was walking through and she goes, "What are you tying?" I said, "Well, they're pike flies, and we trying to catch some." It looks like a bird. So <laughs> <She said>, well,
0: <laughs> <it> kind of <laughs> is. Like, you, you ever seen a pike eat a baby duck? <laughs> right, you know, they do right. That. <laughs> Get on YouTube. It happens.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's hilarious, though. Uh, but yeah, so the whole strapping half the strapping half the hank of material onto a fly, onto a hook to make a make a fly. Sometimes it's expensive.
0: <laughs> hey, that's just a, that just warrants you another trip to the fly shop. There ain't nothing wrong with that. No Nobody doubt. doesn't like to go to the fly shop. <laughs> no doubt. <laughs> well, you're kind of like Steve then. You like to you like to you like that streamer that streamer fishing.
2: Yeah, yeah. man. I, I, I dig it for uh, I dig it for warm water. Um, I honestly I don't really streamer fish for trout when I when I get in the mountains. Um, generally, my time is limited. Usually max three or four days in the mountains, um, but my my uh, my bread and butter in the mountains is is dry fly or soft tackles. Man, I love to swing a soft tackle. If, uh, there you go. If nothing's if nothing's hatching, no bugs up, and nothing rising, I will swing a, a soft tackle pheasant tail all day if I have to for
0: However many bites I can get out of it. <laughs> See, I've been telling Steve that's where it's at. There's something. There's something awesome about swinging soft hackles. So,
1: yeah. uh, and I'm telling, and I'm telling you both, you need to get down here and get on the tailwater of the Chattahoochee, Chattahoochee and start swinging, and and start swinging, and and you get a, a, a trout that just hammers a streamer. And I'm telling you, it's a different experience. Now I get it, and I, I still like fishing streamers even on smaller streams. But in 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 the the tailwater, of the hooch, it's man, it's just a lot of fun, especially when a, a decent sized trout hits it because they hit it hard.
2: They do. Uh,
1: I don't know if it's I don't know if it's because they're afraid somebody you know another trout's going to get it first <laughs> or what, but
2: yeah, we uh, uh, we would make trips over into Missouri uh, over below Table Rock Lake. Um, the stretch of river there they call Lake Como and it's it's uh, they've got Shepherd of the Hills Hatchery up, up top of the dam there, and uh, they have huge brown trout, huge brown trout in there. Uh, of course, there's rainbows as well, uh, but at night we would swing bunny leeches in the you know out from down from the outlets from the, where the water would come out from the hatchery, and those fish would just line up, seem like and. I got enough of it in one night because it was crowded, and I was like, "Okay, that's enough of that. We need to hang out down by the campground tomorrow night because I don't want to be elbow to elbow with fifty other guys." And we hung out by the campground and swung bunny leeches in the, you know, in the dusk, and we were. It it was. I get it. Those big trout, man. When they when they hit a streamer, they hit them with bad intentions.
1: That sounds, your your experience with that sounds a lot like my first experience uh, attempt at striper fishing. Nick was talking about, I was out this past weekend on a boat. The first time I ever went striper fishing was actually on a river. And I get there and there's, people are just lined up along the, the bank. And everybody's just standing around talking until a, a striper rolls in the water. And then it's like 400 lines all get cast <laughs> in the same spot. And I'm like, what the heck is this? I Everybody think I lasted about, <laughs> yeah, about 30 minutes. And I was like, y'all can have this people crossing lines and tangling up like y'all are idiots. <laughs> 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 uh, so that's been many, many years ago, but I know, I know exactly how you felt.
0: Yeah. That's any dam in Michigan. Same, same thing. Uh, so Rory, you were telling me that you were posting the other day that you don't got, you don't got any small mouth around down there. What's up with that?
2: Man, our smallmouth are—they're—they're uh, they're not few and far; they're far between, but they're not few. So when you when you go to the lakes that have them, they've got plenty of them. But for me, either direction is two-hour drive. You know, so a few hours on the water is worth four hours of driving. Uh, sometimes, um, like I said, Wilson—the one I used to go to years ago—the lake reservoir I would go to years ago. Chalk full of smallmouth. I took a. Oh, smallmouth became my favorite.
0: Man, I hate to say that out loud to everybody. They're so good to catch, though. They I mean, are. I, you know, I. It's really hard not to. Not that the, the the fight is just so it,
2: worth it. it. Yeah, there there's there's not another fish that fights like a smallmouth, and I'm sure mm-hmm. there's guys that hook into baby tarpon and everything else, but man. Pound for pound, you hook a two-pound smallmouth bass, and he's going to whip your tail. Um, I picked up uh, I picked up my old pastor, my old church pastor, uh, years ago. We went up to Wilson. We boated 40 bass on the surface. Everything we caught was on the surface. I was using a fly rod. He was using his uh, casting gear, his conventional bait cast or whatever. Uh, we boated 40 bass, two of them were large everything was on the surface and it was smallmouth after smallmouth after smallmouth and dude to watch those smallmouth come out of the tops of those weeds we were fishing weed beds that were i guess the tops of them were about three to three to four foot deep and you could see these smallmouth come out of the weeds just torpedo just straight up and man they'd come flying out of water eating it fly just I don't know. There's something about yeah, it. And shabby.
0: they will they will tangle you up. I mean the way they go <laughs> into the weeds like that, you're you ain't yes. kidding I mean, they're in the yeah. nastiest stuff that you could possibly have. Yeah. And, I mean if you if you even fumble one and drop it in the wall, it's gone. Like 14. it is it's gone into the weed you ain't getting it out. You might as well break it. Right.
2: <laughs> 14, 14 pounds I'd always use a fourteen pound four carbon ticket for Proficient fishing them like that because I knew that you know it, would, it was strong enough that it wouldn't stretch. And if they come across the top of those, I don't know what those weeds were, but they come across the top of them, nine out of ten, I cut through those weeds with it. But yeah, I man, they're, they're tenacious, they're, they're, they're just fighters. They just give me, yeah, I don't care what out. I
0: throw at them either. Yeah, it doesn't really matter. That's just ugly, fishing. That's just fun. Pure yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, just, yeah. You know, bo- box of buggers, that's all you need. Yep. That'll hold you over. I-, I mean, I've done that. I've smallmouth fished for six hours. I mean, just... You know, and by the time you're done, your shoulder hurts, and you know you're just like, man, what a day! You're all sunburned. <laughs> you yeah, but It's hard to stop once you get started.
2: It is, especially if they're if they're biting, if they're active. It's yeah, shutting me off. You good you can give it up. <laughs> we're in the boat together. You yeah, just I've give been, it up. We're, we're here, buddy.
0: <laughs> I, I've been trying to get Steve to come up here one of these days to one of these days to smallmouth fish, and same thing. If you ever get up here you know, let me know because smallmouth fishing, I mean, we got, we do have a lot of great smallmouth fishing, large and smallmouth fishing. We got a lot of everything here. I mean, obviously it's great Lake state, but you know, our, uh, the smallmouth is just, you know, there's plenty of places and it's great. And not everybody does it either. Well, see, and that's what I,
2: that's what what I really want is some smallmouth in rivers. I want some river action smallmouth. Um, Just, I love moving water, and Mm -hmm. and to to put a smallmouth in a river, I think would just that would just be that that's that's
0: cupcakes, man. That'd be the best. (laughs) Give me some icing. Do all the. Well, you don't have to do all the work, and you can let the river do some of the work. That's right? A lot better, I think. Right. I, I, you know, I, I sit there and str- I have stripped a couple times where I've had slack water and just been like, "How do people do this? This sucks." You know? <laughs> <laughs> just there, I'm like, if I don't get it in the first two pulls, that's it. You know. Right. Um, but, well, see, and that's the, anyway. Yep. The magic
2: of the magic of moving water for me is I I I I enjoy reading the water and trying to figure out where a fish is going to be. You know. That's, uh, that's what, that's what gets me when I'm in the mountains is I can, you know, anybody can walk up to a river and start casting a line, but to, to just kind of look over a river or a section of water and try to figure out how the water's moving, where the fish are, where the hydraulics, how the, how the water, how the water's moving. Just like, okay, yeah, we all know the water flows from, you know, upstream to downstream, but how the water's moving. Is it moving around boulders? Is it moving around log jams? Where are the hydraulics? Where's the, you know, as it comes over a, a boulder in front of the boulder on the upstream side, there's probably a fish laying right there as well as, you know, three or four in the pocket behind the boulder. You know, just, I like reading the water and just, I, I'm i a puzzle person. I want to put the pieces together and figure it out, crack a code and catch the fish. <laughs> You
1: know. You just described the exact spot where I usually end up losing a woolly booger because it <laughs> it, <laughs> it it gets down between the rocks and <laughs> <laughs> I almost lost
2: a phone like that two summers ago. So <laughs> down oh, between no. the rocks. Yeah. The phone that's more, one. <laughs> that's
1: more expensive than a woolly woolly booger. Yeah. Well Roy, we uh we we've, we've kept you a a good while. I will say a couple things and and we're going to let you go. One, uh, I'll say the same thing that Nick did if you're ever wanting to head south and and get into some some uh east coast mountain trout or tailwater trout, you got an open invitation would love to have you. And Nick, I'm going to make it up. I'm actually still planning on trying to make it up sometime in May this year. So um that's probably the earliest I'll be able to make it. I don't know if that's if that's small small mouth weather or not, but that's still the plan. So
0: that's awesome. I would love it.
1: Would well, cool. Rory, we really appreciate you taking the time to to chat with us for an hour. I feel like we could probably talk another. I know we could talk another <laughs> thirty minutes because we one topic I never even got a chance to 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 talk to you about was the uh, the stuff you've been doing with the um the the u v resin so that'll have to be another time, but that just gives us a good reason to to have you back on at a future date
2: good deal that sounds good to me that that uh, that yeah that's a topic in itself just like you said about a about a half hour topic <laughs> that uh, there's a lot in that
1: well maybe we uh maybe we get a little bit further into the year we'll uh We'll bring you back on here and we'll talk about, I don't know, prepar- preparations or what we've got planned for uh, the 2022 fall season. And we can have a chat about some, some UV resin flies and who knows what else we'll get into. But we'll definitely love to have you back on. We've had a lot of fun. Sounds definitely.
2: good. Sounds good, gentlemen. I did I absolutely enjoyed it. Uh, you already know how I feel about, you know, about the star starstruck phone call. So to be on, uh, be on with you guys, I kind of feel like I made it.
1: Ah, you're being you being a bit you're being a bit silly now as far as we're concerned, but we've really enjoyed you being on. We really have and would love to have you again. And for everyone for everyone listening, we hope you have enjoyed this episode and we will have something for you again in a couple of weeks. Take care all.